0: My son ended up with stitches in his head twice because of that man. I just had enough. I didn't have anything at that point anymore, so there was really no reason to stay. But I didn't know how to get
1: out. You just heard the voice of a local survivor of domestic violence. We want to welcome you to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I'm Amy Spreeman.
2: And I'm Carolyn DeRosier. This episode may be difficult to hear. Our hope is that we can have a conversation about domestic violence and abuse. It happens to people you and I might know, to people in our neighborhoods, in our schools, and churches, in our workplaces. And sadly, I'm sure it has happened to some of our listeners. So please, take good care. And if domestic violence is a sensitive topic for you, you may want to skip this episode. We're talking about this topic because there is help and there is hope. Domestic abuse is
1: more than what we might think. It is a pattern of behaviors where one person exerts control and power over another in a relationship. It happens to people in all races, ages, religions, economic status, and so on. Anyone can be a victim or a perpetrator of domestic violence. Let's listen to a few more voices of survivors from our area.
3: And I talked back and I got beat up many, many times. I actually have a scar in my knee from one day when I was on the phone with a classmate talking about a school project. And my drunk dad told me to hang up the phone and I didn't. My dad pulled the surface mounted PVC pipes off the wall and he beat me with them. While my friend from school listened on the other end of the line.
4: We were together for only about
3: eight months and then um, one night we got into a fight and he became extremely physically
4: abusive. So the cops were called and when the cops came, they uh, arrested my ex-partner and took him off and then I was put into an ambulance and taken to the hospital.
0: I was afraid he would find me. He said he'd kill me if I ever left him. He even told me how he started uh, target shooting, and he showed me the gun, and he put the target on my side of the bed, and he would do this every week. Look how good I'm getting. I didn't
1: think I would see another birthday. These are the voices from Video Soundbites and shared with permission from Harbor House Domestic Abuse Programs, a nonprofit organization we partner with closely. Harbor House is a partner agency of the United Way Fox Cities, and for 30 years it has been committed to understanding the breadth of domestic abuse and victims' evolving needs in the Fox Valley. There are also other important domestic violence and sexual assault programs that serve our whole four-and-a-half county region, and we're going to include links where you can learn more about these organizations in our program notes.
2: Each year, Harbor House serves more than 1,600 children and adults. However, the number of domestic abuse cases in our area has exploded in the past 18 months, and we wanted to find out why. You might guess that the COVID pandemic would be a part of the reason, and you would be right. The pandemic has also impacted resources.
1: We want you to hear firsthand from Harbor House about these trends. We asked our own Jenny Krakava, Community Engagement Manager here at the Community Foundation, to join us and facilitate the conversation. Here's what we talked about. We are here with Amber Schrader, who is the Executive Director of Harbor House. Welcome, Amber.
4: It's so good to be here. Thank you for having us.
1: Thanks, Amber. And we also have Christy Coonan, Senior Manager of Support Services at Harbor House. Thanks for joining us, Christy. Thank you, Amy. And of course, we have Jenny. Jenny, thank you for being part of this conversation. You worked for Harbor House before joining the Community Foundation, and you continue to work closely with the organization in your work with us. Can you let our listeners know about your role at the Community Foundation and our partnership with Harbor House?
5: Thanks, Amy. Yes, I had the privilege of working at Harbor House for six years before joining the community engagement team here at the foundation. And it was actually through my development role at Harbor House that I connected with the community foundation that has a long history as a committed funding partner of Harbor House and the many programs they offer. So um, now I manage a number of competitive grant cycles here at the foundation, including the Basic Needs Giving Partnership, which over the years has funded a number of initiatives, including a current three year grant that's supporting capacity building for their legal advocacy service. So the healing work that happens at Harbor House is very close to my heart, and I'm grateful to be facilitating this conversation with Amber and Christy today. So let's start with you, Amber. Um, can you share a little bit about Harbor House, who you serve, and the difference you make in the
3: Fox Valley?
4: Yes, Harbor House is a singular agency for domestic violence in Calumet and Outagamie counties. It is a myth that we only serve women here, and women and children. We serve anyone experiencing domestic violence. One in seven people will experience domestic violence. And I think the other thing that's important to talk about right off the bat is that domestic violence is not just someone hitting somebody. It is a pattern of power and control, and it can often look, never be seen. It's not physical, nor can you see a bruise. It can be financial or emotional or manipulation and all sorts of things. So don't ever doubt that this can be happening to you because you're not being hit. Christy, what else can we talk about that we do here?
6: I think we're really good too at connecting with family and friends of individuals who may be involved in abusive relationships. Providing support services to those individuals is critical because you may be someone who knows someone in an abusive relationship too, and you're not sure, how do I help this person? How do I support them? And so making sure that people in the community and outside of those abusive relationships also understand what that can look like and how to provide support.
5: Christy, we've heard recently that the number of people you're serving has increased by 262%. That is a shocking increase. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what's behind that?
6: Yeah. So I think for us, we're really seeing a lot of different things, right? Um, Some of it, well, a lot of it is COVID. People have been stuck in homes with other individuals for long periods of time where they're trying to work from home and live at home and parent from home, um, all the things that way. And that creates a lot of conflict and issues. We're seeing that this is a national trend, though. This is not just a Fox Valley issue. This is a trend that's happening across the nation. And yeah, 262% is alarming. However, we feel very grateful that people feel that they're able to connect with Harbor House. Um, And to talk about something that's extremely intimate and can have a lot of shame within um, for themselves and their families and their situations as a whole. As I had mentioned before, we're seeing a lot more, too, of friends and family who are seeking help and who have concerns about loved ones. The other thing that we um, have seen through all of this is that the court systems are extremely behind. So whether that be criminal or civil, and so there were a lot of people during the whole process who are seeking us to say, what are my options? Court's not an option for me. I can't get into family court. I can't, I can't deal with custody placement issues. I still want to you know, leave or potentially I want to figure out how do I safely stay in the meantime? I think we've seen too that there are very few or less options of places for people to go. Um, the housing market has absolutely played into all of that. And then with COVID, people are kind of balancing, like, do I do I leave my home? And if I go, where do I end up? And, you know, do I go into a communal or shelter sort of setting, having to live in, a, you know, w- among other people during COVID? That part's scary, too. So I think we've had a lot more within outreach. Our advocates are really supporting clients on a longer term basis who maybe can't necessarily leave their situation, but are trying to figure out ways to cope through it. I think the other thing that's important to talk about is that
4: things that in the past that might have built up over six or 12 or 18 months are now happening in really compressed timeframes. So violence is escalating quicker. There was a dv homicide or domestic violence homicide not far from here that the the woman had only been dating her partner for three months and he killed her three months later that's how quick things are escalating right now so the seriousness of things i think is also driving up numbers it's like this this can't go on It's, it's more apparent
6: more quickly i think the other part too is we've had many people who've talked to us about the netflix series made and how that's really provoked a lot of conversations Um, And for them to start thinking about the struggles that an individual is going through when leaving a situation, abusive situation. And so that has been a good conversation for us to have across the community, but also for individuals experiencing abuse and those trying to support them.
5: Amber, we kind of got to this in the last question, but is there anything else you want to elaborate on? How has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted the organization? You started as executive director Just as the pandemic was getting started in in April of 2020, Um, I imagine operations, staff, volunteers, as, as well as obviously the clients have been impacted.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think like the rest of the world, we're tired. We're tired of COVID. Everyone is tired of COVID. We're tired of adapting, but here we are. I mean, I think initially we pivoted everything pretty much to virtual. Like the rest of the world, we went off-site for the most part, though the shelter never closed down and we were always open. We figured out how to do services virtually and keep people safe. I give our advocates so much credit for figuring out literally overnight how to keep people alive over a computer screen or or text message or phone. I just can't speak highly enough of the challenge they took on and that they took on without batting an eye. Over time, we have moved back to as new normal as possible. I mean, we're back in the building. We have been since May of last year. Everyone is, we're fully staffed. We've, we have some support groups that are still virtual, some that are still in person. If you've ever had told me that I would perform rapid tests on people for a living and run a laboratory on site, I would have told you you're crazy. But here we are doing those crazy things um, to try to protect our staff in our building Um, We've had big conversations about masking and it's not even about, it's not political here. It's about people are coming home at the end of the day and should they wear a mask when they come home and go in the kitchen? And what does that mean from a trauma-informed perspective? And how do we make sure this still feels like home and keeping people safe? So that's the kind of stuff we talk about here at Harbor House. We have an awesome group of core volunteers that came back with the majority of staff in the summer of last year and have hung with us. And they've taken on the same risk that staff takes every day. And they do things like stock our food pantry or our kitchens from the food pantry and um, keep our donations organized and run all over the place to pick up donations. And we're out of water. Can someone go to Aldi? And they do that. So we have just an awesome group of core volunteers that support us in those ways, as well as by answering phones at the front desk and helping us with walk-in clients and all sorts of things. They are critical. And when we have staff shortages because of quarantines for COVID and things, our volunteers have really made sure that we have been able to maintain services here. So much like everybody, we just keep adapting and keep offering services. The thing that gets harder now is we all have lower tolerance for compliance with anything to keep safe. We just want to live our lives, right? So that get that gets harder and harder, but we just keep going.
5: Yeah, so grateful and grateful. And it's so good to hear that the volunteers are coming back and staying back because that's, we're hearing that's not the case for all organizations. So Christy, what is, what is something important you think our listeners should know about the individuals and families you serve at Harbor House?
6: Wow. So our families and the people um, that we consider our clients are your everyday people. They're your neighbors. They're your family. They're your friends. They're your coworkers. They're your repair person. It doesn't matter who they are, right? Like everybody has a story and a situation. And I think that we feel lucky that people are willing to let us in and share intimate things about their lives that are challenging and can be can be really hard to talk about and to really face, right? It's hard to face situations in your life if that's really the reality. You know, I think it's important that our listeners know too that we were serving everyone, as Amber had said earlier, and that we serve people who never come into shelter. And honestly, we're serving two to three times as many of those outreach clients, people never coming into shelter as we are shelter clients. We are here to support people, to give direction and options, to talk about systems and programs and processes, but it's all at their own pace and in their direction. We're kind of, we sit passenger, right? They're in the driver's seat and we can tell them how to get from point A to B, either the fastest, right? Or by highway or with most things to see, but we're not telling them how to get where it is that they may want to go. We want them to get there in their own way.
4: I think the other thing that is really hard to know if you're not on the inside working in this every day is the incredible, amazing, unbelievable resiliency of our clients. I think it's really easy to think about people who have to use Harbor House and feel sorry for them. That is just so not the case. Our clients are resilient. And if you watch Made, that is one thing I really encourage you to watch for. Don't feel sorry for her. Watch every time she overcomes and count how many times she overcomes. That is what we see here.
6: Yeah. We also come from a perspective that everybody is individual and situations can change from minute to minute. And so can people's choices or what they want to see as the outcome. And so we're really there to just be with them I, we have fabulous staff here that are happy to answer crisis phones or to sit with the client, or to transport somebody to go help with picking up kiddos. We we will do just about all and have done it all to support people where they're at.
5: I'm getting emotional just thinking about all the, <laughs> all the incredible people that I got to meet. Yeah, it's fantastic.
2: We'll pause here and talk about how you and I can be part of this story and solutions when we come back.
0: I was able to get help with food, help with housing, mental health care, an actual doctor for my son and I. There's just so many resources that I didn't even know existed until I came here. I met some really wonderful women here.
3: We have a very diverse community here in the Fox Cities, and I know coming from a different culture, how big of a role that plays on how you perceive and how you deal with abuse. So we are working very diligently to help you, to reach out to every different culture group that we have here in the Valley, and we will get you help.
0: There's always people who are willing to help, and I didn't even know a community could pull together like that before I came here.
3: Part of my healing process is talking about it. Maybe your neighbor is going through it. Maybe your cousin is going through it. Maybe your sister is going through it. And you don't even know because we don't talk about it. I survived and I'm here and I'm strong and I'm healing. Not everybody is this lucky.
1: Now here's part two of our conversation with Harbor House.
5: we've heard you talk before about wanting to shift to a community response to violence. Can you talk about what that is and why you think a different approach is needed?
4: One of the things that I see every day here is for as much as we can help one person and with lots of time and effort and energy, which we're happy to do, we've helped that one person. 20 more people have walked through the door that are experiencing domestic violence. So when we talk about a community response to violence, we talk about what do we do that gets to the root cause of violence and provide services around that? What do we do as a community that says we no longer tolerate violence as an option? It is not a choice that our community will tolerate. And not tolerate from a punishment point of view, but tolerate from what do we need to provide to people so that they don't feel the need to use violence, to use abusive behaviors. Harbor House is doing a lot of work with our board of directors to define what that could look like and and where we're going to go with that. But I do think that there is a future for Harbor House where we look at people who use abusive behaviors as whole people making choices because of things that have happened to them in their life, not because of, but as a result of things that have happened to them in their life, oftentimes due to unhealed trauma. And we know that many people who use abusive behaviors are also victims themselves and never receive services. So that's one way. Another thing is to continue to do our prevention work in the schools, which provides education to K through 12 students on healthy behaviors and healthy relationships and how to identify red flags and make sure that kids really know how to identify what abuse looks like and to get that primary prevention in. And then also to educate our community and have those conversations. Domestic violence is not something people enjoy talking about still very taboo in 2022. When we go to events and have our booth set up, the number of side eyes that we get because people are afraid to come talk to us because what will people think is still, it's almost comical. I mean, for lack of any better word, I know it's just intimidating for people to talk to us. So we've really been talking about how do we open up this conversation and make this something that is just something we talk about. It's just normalized. It's just something we discuss and we think about it and we talk about it openly because when we do that,
6: then people can get support. Outreach advocates are also working very hard to be in the community and to create awareness and connections with everyday people and businesses and events and locations so that people don't have to feel so side-eye, right, about Harbor House being at things.
5: I'm imagining our listeners are really concerned um, with this increase in demand for services that that we talked about earlier what can they do to support Harbor House or get involved in some way to start engaging in that community response to violence? Amber, Christy, either of you or both of you would love for you to chime in on this one.
4: So the first thing that I would encourage people to do is just to talk about it. The more we talk about it, the more we can empower people to get support, whether those people are using abusive behaviors or whether you're experiencing domestic violence yourself. You can get support if we talk about it and normalize it. We know one in seven people and one in three women are experiencing domestic violence. You know somebody who is either using abusive behaviors or experiencing domestic violence. You know somebody. Mm -hmm. So if you know somebody, that means we need to talk about it. It doesn't have to be hard. Go on our Facebook page and share some of our posts about our resources. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be a hard conversation listen to this podcast. There's also lunch and learn webinar series on our Facebook page about our services. That's really helpful. Obviously, we would love any donations and support in that way. And we take donations both financially and in terms of in-kind things that we use to run shelter. Um, And you can learn more about that on our website as well. And if you find yourself in a position where either you are experiencing abuse or you think you know somebody who is experiencing abuse, please don't hesitate to pick up the phone and give us a call. That's why we're here. We are 100% completely confidential. Nobody will know that you called. There's no shame in needing the help and the support.
6: Yeah, I think too, you know, we we can be quick as people to jump to trying to understand or create reasons about why people make the choices that they do or try to understand their lives when in fact there are plenty of times we absolutely don't know. Um, we will never know. We've not experienced it. And so I think part of that too is for us to be able to slow things down and maybe ask some more questions. And if you are struggling with what those questions might be or what to do in those situations, contact us. We can absolutely have a conversation to look at it further. Well Jenny, Amber and Christy, thank you for this important
1: discussion. And I want to give out the website for Harbor House. It's www.harborhousewi for Wisconsin. So harborhousewi.org. And uh, we really appreciate this time uh, that you've taken with us and and helping us to tell us how we as a community can shift our thinking and how we can get involved to break the stigma of uh, this kind of abuse. We'll have all those links in our episode notes today. We'll be right back.
7: I'm Reg Weidevin, a local attorney with McCarty Law and a board member for the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region. The Community Foundation is about connecting the needs of the community with solutions, as evidenced by the Nelson Family Crossing, a walkway linking Kekana and Littleshoe. I've also seen Community Foundation staff connect my clients to certain causes or charities. I'd like to connect you with the Community Foundation's helpful and passionate staff. Please call 920-830-1290 or go to cffoxvalley.org. Do you want to make a difference in your community, but not sure how or where to start? Do you feel strongly about a cause or an organization that touched your life or the life of a loved one? Want to help students attend college? Or perhaps you want to create a legacy and inspire others to give. The Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region is a great partner to help you make an impact now and for future generations by simplifying your giving and helping you establish a tax-deductible charitable fund. You can set it up with cash, stocks, property, or IRAs, and you can do that now or in your will. It's easy. We share our knowledge and help you not only to make a difference today, but always. Count on us to understand the important community issues and help you consider effective ways to ensure our community is a special place for all to live, work, and grow. Because together, we flourish. With a fund at the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region, you can support causes important to you. Join others and learn how you can make a difference at cffoxvalley.org.
1: As you've heard today, there is hope and there is help. If you need to find resources or somewhere safe, please call the U.S. National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 and for the hard of hearing, TTY, 1-800-787-3224.
2: We are glad you joined us for this episode of Voices from the Valley and grateful for the chance to hear from survivors, and from our nonprofit partners working on the ground, making a difference every day.
1: Thanks for listening and for thinking about conversations you might want to have around this topic. You can subscribe to this podcast and get all of our episodes delivered to you on demand. Just go to our website, cffoxvalley.org, look for the podcast link on our homepage, click on podcasts, and get Voices from the Valley delivered to your computer or smart device. We'll see you next time on Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region.